Hey everybody, welcome to Street Fight Radio bonus episode. This is where I talk to working people that are trying to organize the workplace. Folks that are, you know, trying to progress the next phase of our plan. People that want to stand up for working folks and, um, you know, are willing to do it right now. They're not waiting for when it's going to be best in the future. They're not planning or anything like that. They're in the middle of it. So um, this week we have uh, Lucas from the SEIU union, correct? SEIU 1199 is my chapter. Excellent. Well, thanks for being here. Um, What exactly does uh, SEIU 1199 service? Uh, SEIU 1199 has um, home health care workers, nursing home employees. It's Service Employees International Union. So it's uh, across the planet, across the flat earth, and it uh, covers um, a lot of different uh, branches of service industry. But for my work in particular, uh, it's primarily home health care. And with the current um, pandemic situation, uh, there's been a lot of involvement with the uh, home, um, the home healthcare, but also the nursing home folks. Uh, I can't personally speak much on the nursing home side of things, but um, that's one that's been in the news a whole lot lately. Um, and it's a really similar situation and issues that the nursing home staff are having that the home healthcare folks are having. But I'm in it for my position as a, a home healthcare worker, um, primarily serving as a job coach for an individual with some disabilities. Okay, and. Uh- and what has been the guidance uh, f- for home health work during this quarantine? Um, so a lot of our clients uh, and in our situation and the way that the state of Connecticut has it set up, our clients are also our employers. They are our boss and they do the hiring. They do the firing. Um, the paycheck comes from a financial intermediary, uh, but our employer is our boss. So currently, Um, It's up to the employer and the staff to kind of determine what the best course of action is Uh, for me and my client. um, He doesn't need me to see him uh, every day of the week. He lives with his mother. His basic needs are met. Um, But for a lot of folks, they're taking care of people with physical disabilities, people that rely on them to bring them their groceries, people to um, bring them to and from their doctor's appointments, people to cook for them, people to bathe them, people to you know, help them live a life that's, um, you know, got some, some quality to it. And so for a lot of people, they can't necessarily not see their client. Um, it's not really an option. Uh, we were told that if we can do the job via, um, like a FaceTime call or a zoom, you know, zoom is taken off huge, then we could try that, but there's not, this job can't really be done through a call. So I don't know how many people are actually taking advantage of that, but they're saying that we should uh, wear PPE, personal protective equipment, uh, like the N95 mask or any, even a bandana is better than nothing, but you know, have a mask, have gloves and try to change that regularly. However, we haven't received any of those. Uh, Well, up until recently, we hadn't received any PPE from the state of Connecticut who is responsible for the care of these individuals as they are cared, their care is managed through the DDS and DSS department of developmental services and department of social services. So, I don't know where the question was. I kind of lost it. No, no, you no, you explained it perfectly. I, I was just wondering what like the current protocol was for, 
home health workers right now. Yeah, try to do it from six feet away if it has to be done in person. Maintain that distance. Do it over a, a Skype call if you can. Um, but, you know, you can't bathe someone or clip their nails or feed someone from six feet away. So a lot of folks are working directly with their client and without personal protective equipment. The state hasn't uh, provided that for us at all until very recently. They got one small batch that they sent out to um, folks that they deemed to be the highest at risk, uh, people with respiratory issues. Um, I'm not a doctor, but, you know, whatever you think COVID might impact the most is kind of what they targeted first, which I can understand. But that doesn't really do much to address the fact that there are many home healthcare workers that are still going to be exposed to it. Even if their client doesn't have respiratory issues, um, we still need it. Yeah. How, how many people, are, I mean, how many people are you working with on a regular basis? Um, for me, I'm with my client um, four days a week and he's got another job coach that sees him another day and occasionally some other weekend staff come in. So he sees, we'll call it three people during the week, for his care and then um you know his mother and you know we access the community it's one of our goals when we're not working a job we volunteer at the food bank or we go to the mall we go to the park we go to the library so you know we go to public places and do public things um when the pandemic first started kind of happening and things were starting to shut down we were walking linear trails and stuff like that because that was still an option but as it became more and more clear how severe this virus could be and how important the social distancing was um he his mother and i kind of decided it's probably not in anybody's best interest for me to be picking him up and taking him all all, all over the place even if it's just a hiking trails because hiking trails have all gotten very crowded uh, you can't really avoid people there yeah, yeah, people are flocking to them. Uh, we made the mistake of trying to ride our bike a few weekends ago. It feels like a month ago at this point, and it was already overcrowded. It was already too much. Yep. Um. So, uh, so what? What is the? Uh, what is the union working on? I mean, like, what? What projects are on pause, or or how are they moving forward? So, um, I called in to a call-in show, probably. Uh, like nine months ago, and I started to tell you about a union action that was going to come up, okay. and then I got paranoid, and then I told you a story about getting bit by a pig, and I was like, what a dumb call. But um, so we were the action that we were doing was we had a protest outside of Allied Community Resources, is the financial intermediary that a lot of people get paid by. Um, but they, a lot of PCAs, uh, personal care attendants, a lot of PCAs don't get paid regularly. Uh, if their timesheet has a tiny little issue, the financial intermediary says, oh, we, the timesheet was incorrect. We couldn't fill it out. People aren't getting paid. So people are getting paid super irregularly. And that was our big focus. And since this pandemic has started, uh, that's um, still incredibly important, but it has taken slightly less focus uh, to getting people PPE, uh, the personal protective equipment, the masks and gloves and aprons and things like that. So uh, for the past couple of weeks, a uh, couple of days a week, we do a Zoom call. Um, I'm not currently a delegate in my um, chapter, but I'm running for a delegate seat. Um, I, that'll happen later this month. I'll know the results of that. But that's like a very uh, like an entry low level um, uh, officer leader position. It's an elected thing. Um, beyond that, there's all our organizers and uh, you know, the people that are employed by the union, other volunteers like myself, there's a big team that meets like once a week on Skype or on zoom 
and uh, we take the lists of our union members and we reach out to them, call them and ask them uh, how they're doing, check in with them, kind of find out what their work situation is like. What I get out of the calls the most is really just calling my union brothers and sisters, and it's mostly sisters, his black and Hispanic women in their 40s and 50s. Uh, I, I'm one of the like token white guys in, in our big old group, but I, I call up all these uh, folks and I talk to them. And you know, first and foremost, I'm just asking like, how are you doing? Because this pandemic thing is really rough, and uh, either working during it in the home healthcare field is pretty alarming. Um, there actually was somebody from our union who was working at a nursing home. She contracted COVID and passed away. So there are people that are dying from this. And, you know, every time you go to work, you're kind of putting yourself at risk and putting your client at risk. And for a lot of us, our client is more than just our boss. It's uh, our person that we, you know, you bond with that person. You're with that person. I'm with my bud like a couple days a week for a year now. We've had a lot of different jobs. We've done a lot of different things. He's a friend at this point, and I wouldn't want to risk any of my friends. That's why social distancing is pretty legit around my house, and we're, like, trying to take it seriously. So, um, uh, what was the question? I'm sorry. No, you're fine. No, you're doing, you're doing fantastic. You just, you get to, like, you, you get to the point where you just self-doubt, like, should I have said all of that? And I, I just, I'm going on tangents, and I'm like, I, I don't know if I'm answering the question anymore. No, no, you, you, you've got it right. I mean, um, I just want to know what's going on in like the industry, what people are doing and, and the reaction, the reaction to all of that. Um, you know, obviously this is, uh, you know, very different situation than like any other we've seen before. And a lot of, uh, essential workers, like we've talked about on the show are people that we wouldn't suspect to be so, or you don't always think about all the time, but, you know, uh, for me as a podcaster, uh, my job hasn't changed very much, but for other people, uh, you know, they have to continue doing this over and over again. They have to just do their regular, you know, week and pretend as if nothing else has changed. So I I'm sure it's trying times. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, you had asked what we're doing. Uh, we do a zoom call. We all get together. We talk about what our goal is and then, uh, we reach out to union members, check in on them, see how they're doing, just kind of do a general wellness call. And then um, we kind of move on to the the action. We say like, hey, did you hear what victories we've had? These are the things that uh, we've gotten done recently. And because we had a big calling session and petitions with thousands of signatures, um, we did get one shipment of PPE delivered to uh, those folks. Nice. Um, also, we uh, the contract that the state of Connecticut has with the financial intermediary um, expires in uh, next year, 2021. So we're trying to um, figure out our options, see what other financial intermediary we can use. Um, my client's care is managed through the DDS, uh, DDS, and my financial intermediary is Sunset Shores. I've had zero issues with them. They've been fine. Uh, Allied Community Resources deals with much larger volumes of clients, but can't get their people paid on time and um, causes issues with that. So uh, we, as a union, have fought to get a couple changes. We got three things. We got the PPE. We got paid sick time, which we haven't historically had, which is absurd in the healthcare industry. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, right now is, you know, uh, Ben Shapiro, the guy we all love to hate, uh, you know, came out and said it would be despicable to throw a strike or to use your leverage during a pandemic. But 
you know, I think this is the best time to to use everything that we have. So, like, have you have you like capitalized on this moment? Well, we are a non-striking union. Okay. You know, if we were, uh, I feel like if we were to go on strike, you know, we're the bad guys, no matter what, like sure. we're just abandoning our clients. And, but like the fact that we are a non-striking union and we are comprised of people that are generally compassionate and caring individuals, uh, we're not going to strike. And they kind of take advantage of that. And there are not people in this field uh, for the money. You know, there's not a lot of people that are trying to get rich as a home healthcare worker. Um, there's a lot of people that are living paycheck to paycheck and uh, doing what they can to get by. And these hours that they're getting cut, or if they get COVID and they can't work, it's not going to take long before that that bank account runs dry. And it's that so the issue of people not getting paid on time is just compounded by all of that. So another one of our victories was we got the state of Connecticut to direct allied community resources to uh, take the verbal confirmation from an employer, from a consumer employer, as good enough to process payroll. So they don't care if your J might look like a T, like, you, it, well, this, it says Tuesday, but we thought it said Tuesday. Yeah. So we didn't, we couldn't do this page check. They said, no, you, if they say it's uh, this person worked this many hours during this period, pay them. So that was one of our other victories. And then um, sick time for people that, uh, do come down with something during this time. But all they've really said is, yes, we will work with you on sick time. You guys can have sick time. They have not given us any guidelines. They haven't given us any uh, any way to ha- like apply for that or get that sick pay. We don't know how to go about getting that. And neither does the consumer employer. So all they've done is say that they're going to work with us on it. We haven't really seen it happen yet. But we're still pushing. We're still calling. I was doing some phone banking earlier today. And um, we're leaving voicemails with a handful of uh, folks at the state level. Um, we filled their voicemail boxes. And one morning we were doing a bunch of calls. And uh, halfway through our uh, call blitz, it, the uh, voicemail changed to, uh, if um, you are a PCA calling regarding personal protective equipment, please call. And it gave a different number, trying to deflect it to a, uh, a lower ranking person in the governmental hierarchy of deciding who gets what as far as personal protective equipment. Yeah, absolutely. And and like you're utilizing, I mean, you know, you're utilizing the uh the the stream of communication you have with them. There's a lot of people that don't have representation at all and just have to create a a catastrophe or a clusterfuck at their local grocery store or, you know, health clinic or whatever it may be. They have to just create a problem where you have the at least the, the you're halfway there in that you can reach all the people that you work with and, and come together to act, ask for uh, these special protections. Right. Um, I believe there's something like 10,000 home health care workers in the uh, 1199 union in the state, but there's private uh, agencies that have about 20,000 employees. And these people are, they're paying like barely above minimum wage. Um, they're, but so some of the people I talked to today, uh, one person told me they worked for another private home health care agency because home health care folks oftentimes have multiple jobs and work in multiple places. So she works for a private health care agency as well, and she does have PPE through them. So there is PPE somewhere in the state to be purchased, to be had. Um, I know there is a shortage, and 
you know, I saw a story the other day about how a like 90 year old woman who tested positive for COVID was asked uh, if she would be willing to forego a ventilator so that a younger person could have it. And they were touting it like it was some sort of like great story about, uh, oh, wow, the kindness of this woman's heart. And I'm like, how about just a system where that's not the case? Yeah. Like, how about we just don't let it get there? But yeah, I, I would rather, um, you know, because I, I, I'm stupid on this thing. Like, I definitely didn't see this iceberg coming to hit the Titanic. Um, and I would, would love to have all of the smart folks that were talking about this last year, you know, way before this be prepared like all of the people when they're they're talking about like the the conspiracy of like the uh, agenda 201 which is really, heard you haven't heard of that yeah. uh, so it's this conspiracy it's kind of like how the government ran a trial run of 9-11 before 9-11 happened okay agenda 201 is the same thing it's just this basically the government did a, a war games version of a coronavirus or pandemic and played it all out and how everything would go down. And now they're kind of laying it out um, and doing doing what they can. But I would much rather them do those practice runs and then order all of the supplies we need, you know, afterwards. Yeah. Like that should be a wake up call. Right, and soldiers walking around saying, "Okay," and then we would pretend to put on our mask. Yeah, like, why don't we just actually have the masks? Yeah, yeah, we yeah. we are, we. I mean, we are so uh, disorganized. Uh, I'm here in Ohio, which is doing very well. Like our governor was very early to shut things down, and I think that everybody, as far as I can tell, is very um, comfortable with quarantine and following along with the guidelines we have a lot of people in hysterics about you know teens gathering at the basketball courts which doesn't bother me you know like they're they're going to do what they will um but you know the amount of new cases that we have each day isn't out of control um but in in the long run we're just such a gigantic country and there is no sort of continuity through the whole thing there's nothing about like there we are each state is up to is living up to its own guidelines which are drastically different from each other you know yep um our governor recently like had a, a chat with i guess like the governors of uh, new york massachusetts and rhode island maybe one of the other new england states further up north but they're all like all right well i guess since there's no real federal game plan we should come up with something here and they're trying to say that uh may 20th i think is when They'll look at reopening things here and trying to get kids back in school and the economy back on track and everything. But I don't think that's likely. It, it, I mean, we'll see. I, I, I pulled up, I did a little bit of research ahead of time to see what Connecticut's numbers were. Um, as of earlier today, we're at 13,989 cases and 671 deaths. So you're beyond Ohio then, I feel. I, I would guess so because we're real right next to new york and new york city's had a ton of people a lot of people take the trip the subway right. or the train going from new york and stuff um it's possible we're, we're a smaller state but um the population is also really concentrated in like the southwest corner yeah. um eastern connecticut out near rhode island has like nothing there's uh, only a handful of cases 
I, I don't want to downplay it. Like people have it, people are dying it, it but there's a lot less of them. Sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, I I don't like figuring out uh, where to go from here is 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 challenging because uh, there is just I don't know. Like in a way, I, the United States is too big. Like there's just too like we shouldn't have the same policy across all these things. Yeah, when California GDP is greater than that of many countries, like yeah. it's not the same as South Dakota. Like what's best for California is not what's best for South Dakota. Sorry for hurting South Dakota. If that was rude. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll forgive you on that. But yeah, now we have we have the uh, we have a horrible you know Donald Trump in charge of you know all of this, not doing much at all. It's all laughable, and so now we've de- we've like reverted to the point of just having smaller like nation states inside of the United States, which makes mm-hmm. sense, I guess. I think that's what the original plan was. Like, I think that was going to be a group of independent areas that kind of work together. And then over the years, that just kind of became one guy's in charge of everything. It makes more sense to me because like in the Midwest here, we'll cut our pizzas in squares and you can have the Northeast like agreement where you cut your pizzas in triangles and then we can go our separate ways and we don't have to agree that like we're all a part of the same like, you know, belief system. Yeah, but have you had pizza from New Haven, Connecticut? A pizza? Yeah. I love it. It's like the best. <laughs> it's phenomenal. I have it's to say incredible. I have had I I I have not had it in Connecticut, but there was a few transplants when I lived in DC and there and I had it in New York as well. And I do think it is quite incredible pizza. It's very unique. It's and, pretty phenomenal. I have not had Ohio. I mean, when we when we make a party pizza here, it's a big square and it gets cut into squares. But as long as it's not deep dish, because that's just a lovely casserole. Yeah, I I haven't I can't do too much with deep dish myself because I'm finding myself more uh, lacto- lactose intolerant as I get older. Uh, but you know, deep dish has a place if it's done right, and I think it can be done right. Everything can be done appropriately is what is what I always believe. Um, I'm just tired of like that northeast domination of triangle cut pizza is is really where I'm. At. I know that the triangle cut was a northeast thing i just assumed that if the pizza is a circle it makes sense to cut it that way yeah Wait, not... you cut round pizzas into squares absolutely because then wow. you, get, you get four perfect corners i love the corner pieces the, yeah but the like, corner of a square it sounds like a metal song or something but what about the the middle piece with no crust don't kids, you want every piece to have crust kids love it Ah, oh, that's true. But then you don't get to eat the kid's crust. And that's like my second thing. Like you got you get your breadsticks afterwards because the kid didn't eat at the crust. We have so many kids running around at our pizza parties that like they love the middle when it's all just cheese. Is that's all really they're looking for is just cooked cheese. Fair enough. Fair enough. So um, So uh what what got you into to home health care? how did you how did you find yourself in that position? Um I was a professional Boy Scout, and I lived in Delaware, and then I moved back up to Connecticut and decided the professional Boy Scout life wasn't for me, and I got a job working as a business manager slash tour guide at a zipline place, Uh, but Connecticut gets pretty cold in the winter, so it was meant to be a three seasons kind of gig, 
and I was going to find something else for the winter. And then they laid me off the Monday before Thanksgiving. And, uh, then I had, I filed for unemployment and kind of looked around. I have a bachelor's degree in community recreation and youth development, which is incredibly specific. So kind of looked around at some jobs in that field, didn't really find anything. And right before, probably like two weeks before unemployment was about to run out, I ran into a buddy of mine at a punk show. I was like, Hey, what have you been up to? And he was like, Oh, this is what I do now. And I was like, that sounds incredible. Tell me everything. And he gave me contact info for a case manager at the uh, DDS. I reached out to her. She sent me like a 40 page um, application packet. I filled it all out. And then when I went to mail it, I realized how expensive it was going to be because it weighed so much and I didn't have a scanner and I didn't. So it was going to be super expensive. And then I realized her office is in the same town that I live in. So I just drove it over, planning on dropping it off. And then she just pulled me in and interviewed me and basically was just like, yeah, you're good for this job. Like you got it here. I'll put your, and then she sends my resume to uh, people that are looking for um, a PCA and they call me up, they interview me. Uh, my client's family liked me. So they offered me the gig and I've been with him uh, like 20 hours a week for about a year now. Wow. I just yeah. kind of walked into it. I just walked into it. And um, the work that I do is, I feel like nothing compared to what some of the home healthcare folks do. Like I have it easy. There's people that uh, we go to like the back before pandemic started, we would go to the state Capitol building and lobby and talk to uh, lawmakers and ask for their support in various bills and stuff like that. So uh, we would just be the people in the purple shirts that would just like walk up to somebody and be like, excuse me, Senator, blah, blah, blah. And just start talking to him real quick. Um, which was weird as somebody who, uh, like, isn't, um, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't think what we, the system we have in place is the best thing we could have, but I'll work with it while we got it. So I'm there kind of hating everybody that I'm talking to a little bit, but <laughs> talking to all of them about getting bills passed and working with us. And, um, you're doing what so you're doing. I, would bring, I would bring my client to that stuff and I tell him what our union's fighting for and what the situation is. And he understands and asks questions and enjoys it. He's like a star. Whenever he and I roll in, everyone says hi to him. Uh, they brought him birthday cake one time because one of our meetings was on his birthday. Um, so it's great. The situation I'm in where I get to work with my client at a cider mill or at um, a grocery store selling Christmas trees in the winter. Um, I get to do all kinds of stuff like that. But then there's people that can't bring their client with them because their client can't leave their house. Mm -hmm. So they have to go there and they're like doing some dirty, difficult work. And some of these clients that people are dealing with aren't the same age as them and really into music. Like uh, my buddy, like I'll pick him up and he'll bring CDs and I'll be like, what are we listening to today? And it's everything from like Foreigner to Soldier Boy Tell Him. One time he busted out Soldier Boy and yeah. I... But then there's also like kids bop and uh, Christmas songs. It's all over the place. But right. classic rock, I could talk to him about for a while. Um, he listened. He likes some of the like hardcore that I listen to, some of the punk stuff, which is fine. It's great. It's cool. Some people are working with people that are like straight up abusive to them. Uh, there was another guy in my union. Um, he has since found another line of work because his client was so like rude and his family just abused him and treated him terribly. It treats him like a butler or something like that. So, you know, not everybody has it as well as I do. And because I'm so fortunate to be partnered up with a client like mine, 
I've got the time and the ability to, uh, you know, get involved in my union. And when I first met my union organizer, she was at a training and she told us about the things that the unions fought for and what they're currently fighting for. And then she passed out the, uh, the, the forms and the paperwork to like check off. Yes. Some of my money can go towards the union check off. Yes. Some of my extra money can go towards the union for these things. And initially I didn't check off that. I wanted the union to take any extra, like five bucks extra, or whatever it is from my, uh, from my biweekly paycheck mm-hmm. to go towards causes. And she was like, Hey, um, why didn't you, uh, why didn't you fill that part out? And the truth is because when she was presenting it to like the 20 of us that were in the class or whatever, uh, it didn't seem like it was optional to me. And I, I felt like she was trying to be a little sneaky with it. And I was like, you know, the union might endorse somebody that I don't really support and I don't want my money to go to uh, a candidate that I'm not in favor of. So she pulled me aside and we chatted and we talked politics and she was like, Oh, can uh, you free for a coffee later this week? And we met again and we talked some more and, you know, even if I don't, um, we have, so we haven't endorsed anybody yet. And I was hoping we would endorse Bernie earlier. We never did. I don't know what we're going to do with Biden. Last time they, last election before I was involved, apparently they did endorse Hillary and uh, that's, not thrilling to me. I told them if we endorse Biden, I'm probably going to stop being involved in the union. Sure. Like I, I don't know if I'll stay involved with this and I would probably withdraw my, uh, finance, my extra financial contribution to the union funds. Cause that's how I feel personally. And, um, well, yeah, but I don't know. That, that's, cool. that. if that's really going to do. But like the, like, even if, uh, we endorse Joe Biden. The union is still fighting to get people PPE and still fighting to get people um, sick time and fighting to get people paid on time regularly. So I don't. Uh, I hope we don't endorse Biden, but we'll see what happens. And I'll have. I guess when that, if and when that happens, I'll have a, a bigger um, dilemma for myself to figure out. Yeah. So is there a way for Street Fight people to help at all? Um, well, our most recent calls, I guess if I could, uh, just drop a number of a person that we've been, um, dropping info to see that, I guess this is the part where I kind of wish that Deidre was on the call. Cause I don't know if I can, uh, rally the street fight brigade to leave voicemails for a state rep type of thing. I don't know what the rules are on that, but I'll say it and I'll find out from Deidre tomorrow. I'm sorry. I'm leaving. I'm giving you so much to edit out, but I'll say it. And, uh, if it's cool with her, we can include it. If not, yeah. can we cut it? All right, yeah, cool. Absolutely. Okay. So, uh, the folks that we have been, uh, leaving voicemails for most recently are the Connecticut state Medicaid director, Kate McAvoy. Her number is eight, six, Oh, four, two, four, five, three, eight, three. And then, uh, David Gutchin from the workforce council, uh, 860-418-6318. And uh, we are happy that they've worked with us on getting sick time, but we don't know how to apply for that sick time. And we're glad that there is some PPE going to our most at-risk consumer, but all of our home health care workers and all of our home health care worker uh, clients, consumers are at risk. As long as there's a pandemic, as long as this is a situation we're dealing with, everybody needs personal protective equipment. So 
Um, we're calling those people and leaving voicemails asking for them to uh, do what they can to secure personal protective equipment and tell us how to get sick time uh, for those that need it. Yeah, absolutely. So please, if you can, help out with the cause. Uh, he's Lucas. I'm Brett. Thank you for listening to Street Fight and uh, supporting uh, workers and their organizations. So we will see you later this week. Peace.